What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, favorite podcast, unless we're talking about the Underdog Dynasty Conference USA podcast, but I digress. It is the Shulable podcast brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reasons Sports. Shout out to Ethan Skolnick, the uh, owner and proprietor of Five Reasons Sports, for giving us this platform to talk all things FAU and FIU. And of course, you know that we would be doing this coming off of the the uh, the week that this entire podcast is based around. That would be Shula Bowl week. Shula Bowl 21 took place at FIU Stadium in Miami, Florida, and it was not much of a contest. We will get to that in a few. Uh, you would typically hear the voice of David Handel as I'm introducing this podcast. And I apologize for being absent last week. I was battling a bit of the flu bug coming back from North Texas, but I am clearly feeling better by my voice. But uh, because David Handel's ass can never be on time for taping this podcast, uh, I am joined by a special guest who we're going to open the podcast with, and then we'll get to David's thoughts uh, in the second segment of the podcast. You know him as the uh, managing editor. I don't know what his real title is, but we're going to roll with that of Owls247. And it's like uh, publisher, my, Eric. It's it's like publisher, <laughs> site publisher. There we go. Uh, Managing editor. They're all the same thing. They're, they're all they're <laughs> all all the same thing. And uh, my good buddy, Mister Kevin Fielder. Kevin, how are you doing on this fine evening? Besides um, getting yourself into um, rather disgusting food competitions via uh, bowl sponsorships <laughs> that we will explore here after you uh, tell the fine folks how you're doing. You know, I'm doing great. Uh, you know. Another game for FAU, another Shula Bowl, and I think it was arguably the best one for FAU in a while. Uh, good weather down here, too. So. <laughs> the, the, best one, the, the best one besides last year and the year before and the year before, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what? The best one since, you know, there's a prob- probably about a list of 16 of them, but... <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, before we jump into things, uh, one second here. That's not a laugh. That should be battling this damn cough still. <coughs> Apologize for that. Um, there will be a laugh coming up here. Uh, Kevin, um, before we get into you know your exploits, I, I do want to share with you a funny moment that happened. I, were you there? I don't know if you were, if you were in the um, famed FIU press box uh, at this time and moment. I, I think you were still making your way down from Lake Worth. Um, were you there when our good friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Jonathan Mayer, of course, a student at FIU, uh, works with Panther now, um, when he um, innocently, unwittingly asked Katrina McCormick, of course, the FAU SID, uh, as to the uh, the food choices that the, the his the rumor of food choices that he heard was served at FAU Stadium. Were you there for that, or am I going to break? This I was to you not all? there. I was not all there. Right. I think that was probably before I came. All right. So uh, for anyone who is familiar with with Katrina, you, this will hit especially um, hilarious once you hear this. And if you're not, uh, sorry, it's a bit of an inside joke. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> Jonathan asked uh, me in, in the presence of Katrina. So, yeah. So I, I heard they serve stone crab at FAU games. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can imagine the look that was on one uh, Katrina McCormick's face. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they served stone crab. I mean, <laughs> I love that. Um, it, 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 listen, 
I have no issues with the food that is served at FAU games. Usually the, the Chick-fil-A uh, is just fine with me. They got the like the popcorn and the cookies and all that stuff. Um, no, the, the the exact look of bewilderment that you envisioned on Katrina's face was the one that was on her face when when Jonathan said that or they serve stone crab. It is not stone crab for anyone wondering. It is not stone crab. Anyhow, all right. Uh, so uh, no, go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. No, I, I just not stone crab. I can promise oh. anyone who's listening to this, it is not stone crab. All right, all right. No, sorry, I thought you were adding something else. Um, for re- listeners to this podcast, we will get into the Shula Bowl, but as I mentioned, uh, David Handel can't be bothered to show up on time for this podcast, so we're just going to stall for a little bit. Um, and you know whether he wants to leave this in or edit it out, who knows? But I'm going to have some fun with my good buddy Kevin. Um, he's also the uh, the son of Joe Londrigan. For those of you who didn't know, uh, Kevin. I'm going to go down the list of uh, bowls here, right? Because, or do you want to bring the folks in? Uh, um, the fact that you've just taken up a, a, a um, I don't know if it's a challenge or you like volunteered to eat Cheez-Its with lime juice. You, you just want to fill okay. in on that real quick? Okay. So there's a tweet. Uh, so obviously today the Citrus Bowl announced that they are now sponsored by Cheez-Its. Uh, first of all, just what? Like j- just what there? But uh Jason Kirk tweeted, uh, who, who just shut down Fullcast, tweeted, Cheez-Its Citrus Bowl is a stomach-turning series of words. Dream about a bowl of Cheez-Its drenched in lime juice and wake up feeling the queasiest. So I jokingly tweeted, without tagging anyone, if this tweet finds the right people, I will eat Cheez-Its with lime juice and report back. I didn't expect I, I tweeted this at like 10 a.m. while waiting for FAU Media availability. So I jokingly tweeted that and... <laughs> The only people who would be considered the "quote unquote" right people would be the cheese up or the, the citrus bowl. That was my my one thing was if the citrus bowl found it, I'd do it. And they they found it. Ten hours later, we look forward to your report. Please record and share. So <laughs> I'm a man of my word. So I I will do it, but I am not looking forward to it to to say the least. <laughs> So this is what I've got, Kevin. Uh, I've gone through and looked at the bowl sponsors that are food-related. Uh, we've got the Duke's Mayo Bowl. We've got the Cheez-It Bowl, as stated. We've got the Idaho Potato Bowl uh, in Idaho, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. We have the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Um, Kevin, are, are there any of those choices that this gave you that you're wishing you had volunteered to do some sort of food choice with them? Or are you sold on uh, Cheez-Its? I would absolutely not do the mayo bowl. Absolutely not. Because I just don't know what I would mix with that to make it any sort of like tasting good at all. Uh, I feel like Cheez-Its at least are like a a general enough flavor to where it's not going to just be the worst thing ever like it would be with mayo. Um, wasabi, you would have to do some convincing uh, because I do not like the taste of wasabi. Uh, as for the Idaho potato bowl... It would depend as to what's being mixed with potatoes and the state of the potatoes, uh, like mashed or baked or whatever. Uh, and then I guess there's also like the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, do we consider that Frosted Flakes? Because that would be on the list of like I would consider it if the right mixture came around, which I don't even want to begin to think of the mixtures for that one. So we're not going to. <laughs> Yeah, as I look at the landscape there, Kevin, uh, I think I'm leaning towards, believe it or not, I'm actually leaning towards the mayo bowl. Here's why. And I'm not even a a giant mayo person, but uh, you can go like, uh, what are those things called again? Uh, Deviled eggs, right? Like they have mayo in them. 
Um, you go like macaroni salad, potato salad. You know what I mean? I feel like there's ways you could go with that. With the Cheez-Its, <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, hey, listen, we ain't sponsored by Cheez-Its, so I can say it. Um, them shit's overrated, personally. Uh, they're not Cheetos. Oh, I do not agree there. I do not oh, agree there. Let me hear it. I'm ready. Okay, so this is the – I'm not even sponsored by Cheez-It Bowl, uh, regardless of what the Twitter may say. In the We're hoping to fix that by the end of the day. Yeah, to, <laughs> depending on what the next 24 hours go, this could be completely wrong and uh, different. But I genuinely enjoy Cheez-Its. They are, in my opinion, one of the better actual snack foods out there. I, I would take them over like goldfish. and Oh, you're full of crap. Most I, – I would. Personally, I would. Uh, I think that like Cheez-Its and goldfish are probably on like the same if, – if we're doing like a tier list of it, it's like probably they're, – they're both probably S-tier snacks. Uh, in, in my opinion, then I think you have like most of the chips are probably on a level below. I don't know. I'm just not a chips person. Uh, but like I would I enjoy Cheez-Its. So it's not the Cheez-Its part that's a little iffy for me. It's the it's the lime juice. Uh, I, I don't like the taste of like the bottled lime juice, like the price, like it's processed almost lime. I, I don't like the taste of that. Uh, but I, I guess I now have to do it, so you're, I should probably a, get you. You're a fresh squeezed lime juice man, huh, Kevin? Uh, if we're comparing them, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> between those two, absolutely would rather do, um, uh, like the fresh squeeze, like take an actual lime and do it. But I feel like for this, it has to be the bottled lime juice because it would take far less limes to do it as opposed to like having to get six limes in there and <laughs> i'm already thinking of the of the, the the trip to Publix tomorrow where it's just lime juice and cheese that's in the looks i'll get but <laughs> folks as i've just uh, remembered that kevin feel is actually old enough to drink so uh, as you heard it here first so uh, in his mojitos he's a fresh squeezed lime juice man but yeah he'll have to keep us updated on uh, his trip to Publix with that uh concoction all right i think we have um bored the folks enough we'll go ahead and hop into what they came here for that was a 52 to 7 victory for the owls or at least for the folks who came here i'm referring to fau fans kevin uh quick synopsis of the game here nothing that you know uh, south fans in south florida didn't know uh first play of the game grayson james picked off by jalen wester of course, is filling in for Eddie Williams at linebacker. He takes it down inside the FIU five. That drive is finished off by Nikosi Perry. One yard TD run. That'd be his first, the uh, first of Kosi's two on the day. Uh, the next drive for FAU, Kosi hooks up with Jaquan Burton in the back of the end zone. I believe Jaquan Burton was the contest leading receiver, five receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. Biggest storyline for FIU, just the off the offensive ineptitude. Um, let me go and pull up my shot chart here because I just uh, wrote that story today. Let's see. FAU, North Texas. FAU, here we go. So the first few drives for the Panthers against the Owls. Uh, drive one ended with an INT. Uh, drive two, three and out. Drive three, three and out. Drive four, four and uh, three and out. That was the really the, the big issue. I mean, if you want to say the Achilles heel, I guess you could say that for the Panthers. It's just been a struggle over the past uh, over the past two weeks as far as their drives not being able to sustain drives, keep the 
defense off the field and at least give them some opportunities, if not points, some opportunities to play, you know, um, field position game, which they have not been able to do um, really an abysmal in terms of, you know, total yards. Go and take a look at the total yards here for FIU. They had nine total yards in the first quarter. Uh, in the third quarter as well, had something crazy like 45 total yards. So overall, just a uh, poor performance for the Panthers. The Owls dominated from start to finish in the 52-7 victory. Kevin, um, uh, just what were kind of your, you know, uh, we'll talk about it with Zach Weinberger as well from the Palm Beach Post. He'll be on after this, but just your observations of that contest for the Owls. And hell, if you want to do anything for the Panthers as well, have at it. Yeah, I thought it was like the uh, Willie Taggart had mentioned it after the game, and I went back and watched a little bit more of the game and looked at a little bit more of the stats. It was the most complete performance FAU has had this season. Uh, you know, from the offense playing the way that it did, I didn't think the offense lit the world on fire in any way. They didn't have to. Uh, you know, when when you're getting the ball at the 20 yard line to start drives, it's sort of hard to not come away with points. Uh, and I thought that in Kosey Perry, considering the situation he was in with his, his hand being a little bit injured, uh, and him not actually knowing if he would be able to play it at one point in the game or, uh, you know, one point during pregame, he'd, he'd heard it during, uh, during the week of practice. Um, I thought he played well. Uh, I thought he did what he was asked to do to, through the air, uh, connecting with a couple wide receivers who were just wide open. Um, I thought the defense played its best game start to finish. They were just complete. They were generating pressure. There's secondary just played a complete game. And then special teams, you look at the punting and you, you look at the punt returns that's sort of what FAU's needed. They needed something through the punt return game to, to get any sort of consistency throughout the year because you can't continue to start drives behind the mark and then expect to score consistently. Uh, you need to be able to give yourself, give your offense any sort of support. I thought for the FIU side, the momentum just sort of zapped out of the body uh, when, when you throw an interception on the first play of the game. And he returns it down the four-yard line, and then suddenly – uh, not only do you get the ball first, but you don't get anything out of it. You turn the ball over at the four-yard line. That's just the sort of things that's going to take the energy out of any football team, but especially one in a rivalry game like that. And then the the problem of not having a consistent run game when you need a consistent run game. It's sort of been problems that FIU has had this season. I think just sort of taken to a different level, you know, in the worst possible moment against the biggest rival that you have on your own home field. Kevin, I, I asked this question to Zach, of course, and, you know, effort of full disclosure to our fans listening. Uh, we, of course, we're taping this in portion. So I already taped the portion that you will hear after this with Mr. Zachary Weinberg of the Palm Beach Post. But, Kevin, um, the 52 to 7, you know, I mean, in my mind, it, was that something that, you know, you expected? I mean, did, did you – I guess given how inconsistent this team has been all year – this type of performance that you mentioned, Willie Taggart said, was his team's most well-rounded, you know, start-to-finish performance, best performance of the year, start-to-finish. Could do you could you have seen that come? Uh, 52-7, absolutely not. Um, I think that, in my personal opinion, when you are in rivalry games like this, especially with two teams that have had sort of similar paths this season of inconsistency, having solid games and having bad games, you sort of throw records out the window, and it's a, it's a game of who wants it more. Uh, and especially in a rivalry game like this, it's always sort of been a game of who wants it more. And FAU clearly wanted it more. Uh, I thought that there was certainly a possibility that this was a little bit more of a blowout, a two-score win for FAU or a three-score win for FAU. I didn't expect 52-7. I don't think anyone rightfully expected 52-7. Uh, 
Now, if you would ask me that middle of the second quarter, what I would think it would be 52-7 sounds about right. But, you know, in the beginning of the game, I told people sort of like, I think this will be a around a 14-point win for FAU because I thought that FIU would be able to do enough. I thought that they were well-disciplined enough to generate a, a certain point total that FAU would sort of have problems with throughout the game. But at 42 or 52-7, no, I, I don't I don't think I ever expected a performance like that from FAU, uh, you know, in, in a rivalry game like this. Uh, quick side note, Kevin, as I'm scrolling Twitter, um, uh, just uh, I'm going to bring you it, – it's pertinent for the sake of the question I just asked you. Uh, going to bring you inside local Pinellas County High School uh, girls basketball. Final score, Kevin, uh, Gibbs 94, Pinellas Park 2. Um, <sighs> Yeah, uh, wow. I've, I've covered some rough uh, uh, college wow. ball games. That's a uh, wow. that, that's quick sidebar, Kevin. What, what's the worst high school outing you've covered? Probably like I think I've covered a couple like sixty-two zeros. They're just like, okay, why am I still here? But I've never covered a basketball game where it was like ninety-two to four or ninety-four to two, whatever it was. I wow. Uh, you you hear about those and then it's just sort of like yeah that'll never happen to me and i guess it actually does happen to you when you're covering a game and you have to sit there and watch the entire thing uh knowing that you have to interview a coach afterwards I, I, yeah i think the worst i had was probably if i'm thinking properly atlantic olympic heights uh, atlantic high school in delray olympic heights in boca i think finished like 63 nothing in like 2019 probably the year before covid so i think that's the worst i've i've seen uh, but yeah, nothing to the extent of like ninety six to two or whatever that was. Yeah, just uh, that has popped across my screen, and and I mean in football, I mean it happens, and and it's it, it's not that necessarily easy, but yikes, those poor uh, yeah, yikes. The, y- y- could we get a running clock or a a mercy rule at halftime on that one? Anyhow, back to the Shula Bowl, um, Kevin. Um, I know you had a chance to talk with Willie Taggart post game. What were kind of, you know, his emotions, his feelings, and um, we'll transition as I need to carry this into a uh, contest with Middle Tennessee, but just what were kind of the feelings you got from Willie Taggart postgame? I feel like it was sort of relief. I feel like in, in a way it was relief of getting a performance like that in a game like that. You know, with all the question marks that have faced FAU of playing on the road, they had not won a road game up until the point this year, and under Willie Taggart have won two road games uh, before heading into the game. Charlotte uh the last season and then the year before uh FIU in the Shula Bowl. So I think it was sort of a sense of relief of you know getting that monkey off your back, getting that weight off your shoulders, having a performance like that. Uh obviously excitement. Winning a rivalry game is always great. Uh you know, especially for a team like this in a rivalry like this, because you know it's cliche, but this is a game that they had circled on their schedule. This was a game that they had looked forward to. This was a game that they knew that they had to perform in. Uh, so I think the general sense was relief, uh, excitement, and a little bit of exhaustion. Uh, he was sort of <laughs> needing to catch his breath a little bit after the performance. I think that was 52-7, the celebration, all that. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know how to explain it really, but I feel like relief is probably the best way to explain it. No, I mean, I think that's that's an interesting that's an interesting way of putting it, Kevin. So I guess that begs the follow up. Um, the sense you got was relief. Does that? Am I reading too much into this, or does that imply that just given the way the season has gone, 
um, maybe a little bit a little bit of apprehension that he would not have gotten the performance that he got from his team. No, I don't think it's anything to do with not having to get the performance. But you know, coaches will try and tell you they don't look at things like you know not winning on the road, being in situations where you need to win two or three games to make a bowl game. But let's be honest, human element says you're going to look at those things, and human element is going to say that you're going to look at the fact that this team hadn't won a road game, the fact that now you know struggled in the second half and needing to figure out ways to bounce back from these things and not being able to throughout the season, it's going to weigh on you. So getting that, getting that weight off your shoulders, being able to just take that away and winning a game like this, I think it was more so just, you know, relief that it finally happened and that, you know, all the process actually turned to results this time. And it was not, you know, having a good performance in the first half, like you did in like the UCF game. And then, sort of coming out and struggling in the second half and not being not having these problems that have sort of plagued you the entire season being able to play play a complete football game is a relief because they've shown process of being able to play complete football games but they haven't been able to put it all together throughout the year two more and we'll get you out of here kevin as we spin things forward and this team is looking forward to go to murfreesboro and take on middle tennessee what are you looking for from this team i asked kevin you know a little bit from uh, the fact that, you know, they had uh, Middle Tennessee or excuse me, former Middle Tennessee offense corner Brent Derman was made available to media today. Asked a little bit about that. But I just want to ask from a personal perspective, what are you looking for from this team as they uh, finish out these last two weeks? I think you want to see him start fast. Uh, you want to see him start fast. And then particularly in the second half, when you get out of halftime, you want to see them remain, you know, playing fast and playing to them, being comfortable. Uh, you know, this is a big game for FAU. This is no doubt about it a big game. The fact that they're still sort of competing in Conference USA for a conference championship. The fact that, you know, a win here pushed them to six wins and uh, by all accounts looks like it'll probably be enough for a bowl game. Like, this is a big game for FAU and particularly where they want to be. Uh, you know, I don't think it's where they would have wanted to be when the season started, uh, you know, and with the expectations that had been put on them. But this is where they are now. And this is sort of the big goal of, you know, having to reach a bowl game staying in contention for the Conference USA Championship. And again, it's a place that FAU has struggled. On the road in uh, at Middle Tennessee has been a place that FAU has just sort of not been able to find its momentum, even under Lane Kiffin and under uh, Charlie Partridge. Like they haven't been able to find that that spark on the road against Middle Tennessee. So I think that, you know, just being able to find something on the road against a team like this that you've struggled against, being able to start fast in the second half, keep playing fast, it's going to be the biggest key for, for FAU particularly, because they're going to be more talented than the teams they play for the most part. It's a matter of, can that talent take over? Can they find ways to win the game? And, you know, that's the biggest thing for FAU this season. And it's been been the biggest question that they had to answer. They had to answer it against FIU. Now, can they answer it again in another road game and just keep building upon that performance? I know this is a name that you are familiar with, and I asked Zach about it, but I want to get your perspective as well. Nick Vadiato, local kid out of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know he's got to be excited to face the Owls again. Faced the Owls last year and, of course, uh, was the starter in Middle Tennessee's upset win of FAU that knocked them out of bowl contention. And you got to remember, um, Middle Tennessee also very much in bowl contention. They are a five-win team right now as well. They are looking to – ideally get to six before they make the trip down to South Florida to take on the Panthers and the final week of the year. Nick Variado looks like he's going to get the start for Chase Cunningham, who's been banged up over the past week or so. Um, just your thoughts on the fact that, you know, uh, FAU will have to face Nick Variado. Um, I know, again, because we talked with Zach earlier, that um, 
the coach's availability was that of the offensive side today. So we have not heard from, or you guys have not heard from uh, Todd Orlando, TJ Young, maybe some other defensive guys you'll hear from, but just, you know, your general thoughts on based on what you saw last year from Nick Vadiato and being familiar with him as a local South Florida kid, what, uh, what to kind of look for and expect um, on Saturday. Yeah. He had a sort of, I, I hate this cliche. I really do, but I'm going to have to use it here. A, a game manager like game against, Middle uh, against FAU last year, and I don't think he played the entire game. I think they had uh, the the Mike DeLillo guy or Mike DeLillo, whatever his name was, come yeah. in and sort of finish that game off. But uh, you know what I remember from him in that game, and then I watched. I actually did go back and watch a little bit of the Charlotte game that he ended up winning. Is he in a lot of ways he's a game manager? He doesn't take a lot of risks down the field. He's not going to try and beat you for fifty yards down the field every play. But he's going to be safe. He's going to you know make the right read when it's necessary. You know he may have one or two mistakes throughout the game and. You know, I think that's just likely for a lot of quarterbacks, not only in Conference USA, but in group of five and particularly younger quarterbacks who don't have as much experience. But, you know, he's a quarterback that is just going to play through the script. He's not going to make a ton of plays off script that are going to beat you. But having quarterbacks that can make plays on, on script, especially with Middle Tennessee's potential running attack that they've been able to have at points and, you know, the explosive plays that fortunately as a Miami fan, I, I know all too well. Uh, you know, that middle Tennessee's capable of. So having a quarterback like this, who can just make the right decisions can be pretty dangerous. And, you know, FAU has sort of struggled against some of these quarterbacks. I, I looked to the, uh, the UTEP game where, you know, there weren't many 55 yard passes down the field, but, you know, it was just sort of getting into the open receiver who was able to make plays after the catch. Like that's sort of the thing that concerns me is, you know, you can allow a five yard pass, but you ha- it has to be a five yard pass. It can't be a five yard pass that turns into a 50 yard pass. And, takes the wind out of your sails. Uh, and, you know, I think that that's sort of the biggest thing to watch for FAU, uh, you know, piggybacking, piggybacking the, uh, the last question you'd asked about what I'm looking for is on the defensive side of the ball. Can you prevent the explosive plays that come from missed tackles that come from missed assignments? Because that's going to be particularly the biggest way to stop middle Tennessee, uh, you know, with Vadiato under center. That is Mr. Kevin Fielder. He is Kevin Fielder of Owls 247. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at not just Kevin Fielder, but the, the Kevin Fielder. <laughs> the Kevin Fielder on Twitter for I guess, at Owls247. Does a fine job uh, covering the American and uh, every once in a while he'll you know, have a little foray into Conference USA for Underdog Dynasty and uh, does some work with New Era Prep. Only when and they hire new head coaches. <laughs> only when they hire new head coaches. That is correct. And uh, Or when, when you're sick coaches. and I need to fill in on that podcast. But That is true. That is true. And also, hopefully we can get his paycheck correct because uh, he's been shorted uh, about a thousand <laughs> bucks over the year or so. Uh, and last but not least, he is a hoagie slash sub enthusiast, which of course is good with me. Kevin, appreciate you making the time, and um, we definitely will have you back on before the season is over. Absolutely, Eric. Anytime. All right. So we finished up with Kevin, and guess who is now joining the podcast? The gentleman who I said can never make the podcast on time. Yes, David, I buried you for a good five minutes, and you didn't have a chance to defend yourself because you were on the phone, on the phone call. So who cares? Uh, Mr. David Handel, our FIU super fan. David, how are you doing tonight, sir? That's my mood, Eric. <laughs> I could I didn't even want to respond to your 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 comment because I was like <laughs> loading this up 
right, ready to surprise you. And then I get buried double time. And I was like, damn, I can't even respond to that because I have this, this song ready to go. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So before we get into things, I mean, and, and you know, we've obviously, after the full disclosure, we've taped with uh, Zach Weinberger. You'll, you will hear that after um, this portion with David. We've taped with, of course, Kevin Fielder. So we've gotten plenty of FAE perspective. David, just right into it, man. Um, the FIE perspective walks through the night. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know it wasn't wasn't one of uh, the better weeks of the year um, to say so. Uh, to put it lightly, I guess. Um, yeah, that 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 one sucked. Um, Fifty-two to seven is ugly. Um, not really much for to really to really talk talk about i mean listen i you know obviously i I knew going into the game would be an uphill battle you know we were obviously at home two plus touchdown underdogs for a reason but you know we had you know we three of our wins have been upset wins so you know i'm I'm thinking every every, you know every game there's a chance to win but you know i thought at least if you don't win put up a good fight and uh you know it's not that these guys you know they gave i think they're they gave their all you know what i mean it's just you know they they that FAU defense uh, kept us under wraps, and yeah, man, it just was not not a good day, Eric. Um, you know, I, I know you'll go into more of like the the stats and stuff, but I know Greg Grayson had a bit of a rough day. Uh, the defense, that's uh, not to cut you off, David. A bit's an understatement, but continue. Yeah, um, yeah, it is an understatement. Um, you know, we just couldn't get really anything going. Uh, the defense was letting up some big plays, like big chunk plays on like, especially early on, like the, that, that, that fourth down and what was it? Fourth and 11 that they converted like a 30 yeah. yard pass. Like, yeah, that was, that was so bad. And the other one was, a, I think the next drive, we had them at like second and 20 and they boom, next play ran it for like 25 yards, <laughs> like, like stuff like that. Um, was obviously demoralizing and and the worst part about it Eric is that even with those plays and as you know as bad as, as we did play in the first half I mean there were we it's not like we didn't have opportunities like like there were times you know obviously you know we set up ourselves the defense up poorly first play of the game pick you know they're 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 rocking first first drive on the four yard line you know there's not really much I'm expecting them to do the next drive is that they, that big the fourth down play, and um, you know that was that was definitely on them. But there was a couple, you know, they they made a few more a few stops in the second quarter that, that we we had you know decent field position and we just really could not capitalize on anything. And then you know, obviously, if you're not capitalizing, it, the the defense could only quote unquote hold for so long because you know obviously they definitely had their issues as well. But um, overall, it was just a really you know, really, really bad Saturday, Eric. Yeah, David. I mean, I actually won't dive too deep into the stats because, as I said, I, um, we taped with Kevin. So uh went, you know, for the most part, the highlights as far as the FAU side. I'll do a quick rundown of the FIU stats. Grayson James, 9 of 26. Grayson did not complete his first pass, I believe, until uh, the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. 9 of 26 passing for 56 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Hayden Carlson came on to finish it out um, on the receiving end of things. The leading receiver was Flex Joseph, 
three receptions for 12 yards. Tyrese Chambers, two receptions, 28 yards. Um, the rushing attack came through with 203 yards, but I will get to that in a second. I did ask Mike McIntyre uh, very extensively about that post game, so I will get into that in a second. On the defensive side of the ball, good to see Reggie Peterson come through with 11 tackles, a special teams captain. He's a kid who's worked his butt off, so good to see him uh, get some plays, some uh, some playing time on defense. David, uh, I, I talked about the run game. 203 yards on the ground, but you, you take away some chunk plays there. You take away a 32-yard gain from Flex Joseph, a 28-yard TD run from Grayson, and a 14-yard gain from EJ Wilson. That is 94 of those yards gone. That leaves you with 32 carries for about 90-something yards and no scores. Um, David, over the past two weeks, this team has really struggled, A, getting out of the blocks, First quarter, I just published a piece earlier today on Underdog Dynasty. Uh, this team's been outscored 45-0 to zero in the first quarter of the past two games. Not a recipe for, su- a recipe for success. And a big part of that, David, is the three and outs. Um, just curious what you're looking to, to see, you know, kind of from a fan perspective, what sticks out to you offensively. I mean, I'll just kind of give you my thoughts here really quick. I, I asked Mike McIntyre postgame it, it, what they need to do to jumpstart the run. And Mac made what I, what I thought was a, was a fair point. He said that regardless of whether it's the run or the pass, they got to execute better um, on those early downs. Because of course, it's out of third and long. And if you go back and look at the Charlotte game, the Charlotte game, the Louisiana Tech game, again, um, if you take a look at my piece of Underdog Dynasty, I actually crunched the numbers, David. Uh, the Charlotte game, FIU averaged 9.9 yards per play on first down. That was via nine passes, five runs. Louisiana Tech game, they averaged six yards uh, per play on first down, 20 passes. 10 runs. Now you flip that over to North Texas where they averaged an abysmal 2.5 yards per play on first down, 15 passes, 10 runs against FAU, five passes, 15 runs for an average of 3.1 yards on first down. So with that information, David, just kind of wondering what you make of that as a fan and what you're looking to see these uh, next two weeks. Because of course the Panthers still have an opportunity to get into bowl contention, but uh, they got to get a win first against UTEP. Yeah, obviously those numbers are uh, not favorable, but it just emphasizes how important that, you know, getting those chunk plays or, or just being able to consistently move the ball on first on first down, how important it is just to set yourself up. Because, you know, like you mentioned, like two yards, three yards, um, you know, if, if we're consistently starting each drive uh, on basically second and eight or, or worse, I mean, it's already an uphill battle in its own, especially when you're playing a good defense like, FAU um you know I I don't really know too much like not not that I don't know too much it's that I don't I don't really have I guess any answers for it it's um you know I think obviously every game is different and and you know the offense is the offense and and we've seen it thrive and we've seen it you know especially toward the beginning of the season uh not thrive uh but it, it was a bit more shocking in this game just because, I mean, I guess in the North Texas game, but just because we had been playing so much better uh, the, the, really the past like month and a half. Um, and it, it looked like we were back to, I was looking at the team that played against Western where we just, you know, just didn't feel comfortable in the system. We didn't, you know, we weren't executing on any sort of, of any plays like, like you mentioned, like the run, you you take away three chunk plays, and and that's pretty much half our entire 
rushing offense and 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 we had what 60 yards passing in total maybe more obviously a little more because Grayson almost had 60 but like those are not great numbers Um, I don't really know what the answer is I think it's it's more of um, yeah like I I actually I I don't know it it was like what I was seeing (coughs) on Saturday was just it just looked like they looked a bit lost and they looked just you know, outclassed and um, they just kind of had no answer or really much like, I don't know. I can't really speak on the adjustments. I, I, I at that point and when it was getting in the forties, I was like, okay, I, I think I need to get another drink. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it was definitely not the offense's best day. Um, and it just, it was just, especially at home. It's like, come on, man. Like we, we, we had, I was hoping for, a bit more. Um, but then again, you know, it's a good team. And, and I'm hoping that, obviously, like you mentioned, we still have the chance to make it to the bowl game, which is something I didn't even think would be possible. So it's like, you know, it's it's my head's down a bit because I want, obviously, I want nothing more than to beat FAU. We haven't beaten them in a long time. Um, that, that hype video that FIU posted before the game had me jumping out the roof. Uh, but, you know, I, it just kind of, put it more in perspective that we're, you know, we're obviously still not there yet. Once again, we are rebuilding still super young team, but um, I I'm still, you know, I'm still fairly confident that I, like, I, I think we could put up a game this week against UTEP. Although I know I'm pretty sure UTEP beat FAU, but uh, you know, I'm still going to be hopelessly optimistic and I'm hoping, you know, they make some adjustments going into this weekend. David, last one on the Shula bowl before we transition to UTEP um, won't go to, you know, Stat heavy X's and no heavy. Just want to ask as a fan, um, how tough is it? You know, 52 to seven, six straight loss to FAU. Um, the you know, the last time FIU beat FAU, I think you were still uh, a student, still an undergrad student. And the fact that you know, now this game won't be played yearly, it's going to be played, you know, uh, the next time it'll be played is 2024. So, just how tough of a pill is that to swallow, kind of you know, for Panther Nation? Um, I mean, it's definitely a tough pill to swallow. I would, I would be lying if I said this was tougher than any other year. Um, just because obviously I, I, the expectations of this year considered compared to, you know, some years past where, you know, especially during the Butch years, uh, the Butch and Lane years, like, uh, you know, you'd hope to get one of those. Um, this one, it, it, it stings obviously cause it's FAU. Um, it doesn't sting as much obviously because, you know, I, I'm putting things into perspective, but it, 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 it's almost like, like, yes, like obviously I want to, you know, play them every year, things like that. But I think a break might not be the worst thing for us. Uh, you know, get a couple, couple. Uh, so I guess just one year break, which is, you know, these young guys will get another year under their belt and it'd be the third, hopefully the third year under coach McIntyre and, you know, hopefully that that that's kind of what we needed. A little, uh, maybe a little minor break. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely it definitely sucks. There's not really much more I could harp on it. It it, it was a brutal game, but um, you know, maybe maybe the break is what we need, Eric. David, I'm coming in hot and heavy with this one. I'm asking you to speak not only for yourself but for Panther Nation, but primarily for yourself. Four and six, still an opportunity to make a bowl game. If FIU blanks on these next two and it's four and eight is the season is the season a success yes or no 
I'm glad you asked this, Eric, because I was actually going to ask you the same question because we I spoke about it a bit with Jake last week, and I don't know if it would be considered. And the thing is, I, I wouldn't maybe not consider it a success, but I wouldn't consider it a failure, and it's because. Once again, those expectations going into the season, um, you know, we we predicted three wins, right? And, and and we said those three wins would be tough to come by. And now we're sitting at four wins with You're just yeah. really quick, just to stop you. Who who's we predicted three wins? Me and you. Well, I uh, predicted 13, 14 wins, but 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 you know, um, you're still incorrect because I predicted four wins uh, via my preview. It's it's published. I thought you no, I thought your three wins were. No, I thought you, you told me three on the on the pod. You went three. No, uh, no, I went four. Well, I've, I've published it four. I had Bryant. I had at Bryant, Middle Tennessee, Louisiana Tech, and uh, Texas State. That's what I had. Well, I thought it was three. I might have to rewind. I have to go to an old episode and, and you, find. You, you may have to because Eric right. Henry's the, Eric Henry's the only one who broke this team to win four games, and I'm, I'm you know very proud I'm of that right. fact. Continue right. your, your 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 assessment, sir. <laughs> um. So, uh, but I think like for the most cases, you know, talking to people, most people probably weren't even predict, predicting three wins. Um. So it's so that's why I couldn't consider it a failure. I think there's a lot of good that's come out of this year. I think. We've seen a lot of growth from this young team. You know, obviously we've had three really, really bad losses, but I think we've also had um, three equally impressive wins. And so, uh, putting in perspective, um, I, you know, I can't go out and say, yeah, total success, because obviously you, you're this close. You want to, you know, get there and 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 possibly play for a bowl game. But once again, four wins compared to the last two seasons where we combined one win is definitely a huge improvement in itself. So um, I, I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I'm kind of going a little bit of, uh, of both because I, I do think there's things to be happy about. And also, you know, a little bit of sadness if we're not able, if we come so close and, and aren't able to get it. But uh, with perspective, I think it's not a failure, but maybe not a success. Okay. And no, listen, I, I, I don't, I, I think that's a very fair assessment on your part. So now I'm going to flip it. Um, what is the feeling you're getting from Panther Nation? Um, do you believe? Because I, I know the feeling that I'm getting. And uh, if you do want to ask me the question, I have no problem answering. But I, I, I know the feeling that I'm getting from, you know, at least the FIE fans are in my mentions about this season. I think so, a handful of them, and you guys know who you are, are, are a little bit unreasonable <laughs> about the season. But um, what's the feeling you're getting from, you know, the rest of Panther nation as far as uh, if they can't get these two. Um, I think from the reasonable side of things, um, I, I think they're kind of on the same boat. Um, I, I know a lot of guys like, you know, the guys I talked to weren't, you know, we, we're, we're just, we were just at this point, like anything after the, the three wins was like almost just a plus. And um, you know, not that once again, I think it's the same boat that it's not necessarily a success if we only went four. But it, I, I don't think it's people are like, at least the people I talk to are all like, oh, my God, uh, we need another restart. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe we only won four games. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, like I think that's also a super unrealistic expectation if you came into the season like bowl game or nothing. I mean, it's it's like you have to like – once again, it's the, the power of perspective. It's, it's, it's a young team, a complete new coaching staff. Like, 
the turnover from last year's team to this year's team is is crazy. Like, yeah, I get it. You want to win every single game, but you know you also have to be realistic. And you know, I I think that if you want to put those expectations on for next year when the conference, you know, with the all realignment, things like that, and it's going to be the second year under the coach, and and you know, a lot of these young guys have the full year under their belt. You want to set those expectations? Go for it. But this year, I mean, you also have to be realistic. And I and I think for the most part, the people that I've spoken to are have like reasonable expectations and are, you know, happy with how the season's going. Sure, there's some things that we wish happened differently, like beating FAU, obviously, but like overall I think it's 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 been it's had plenty of, of positives. David, are you ready for this? Hit me. This season is has unequivocally been a success in my mind. The only thing that taints it is the measure of how bad the defeat was. You know, I was trying to think of a verb, how bad the defeat was against FAU only because, and I wrote the piece entering the, you know, the game week entering the weekend was just for the purposes of a it's South Florida, B it's your rival C, you know, I talked about all the reasons why FAU has figuratively and, um, you know, maybe literally felt like a big brother. Um, I talked about the way last year's game ended with the, you know, FAU fans chanting FCS as the team went off the field and whatnot. But hey, as Scott Carr says, it's a new day. I'm willing to at least grant him this. Um, you can't do it overnight, right? I mean, so the, the, <sighs> The embarrassment of last year's loss, I think, was different because that was a much more veteran team. This year's team is still very young, as you talk about. It's still a rebuild. But I'm here to tell you right now, and I know fans don't want to hear this, Mike McIntyre won't say this. I, I, I could ask him this question on blue in the face. He'll never admit it. He even said in today's presser, uh, yeah, I felt we could compete. Uh, I, no one else did. I, honest to God, believe that Mike McIntyre believes that. I'm just telling you right now that doesn't exactly line up with how this team looked, especially in spring, David. And yeah, they got a lot of players from between spring and fall, but they, it's spring. It it very much looked like the JV team that Mike McIntyre said they looked like against Western Kentucky. Um, Even in fall, some points in fall, they looked like a JV team, a young team that's still growing and gelling. The reason I thought that, you know, I thought the best case scenario for this team was that they pick up some wins, I did say four, and that the young talent, as they as the season goes on, it gets better and they look more and more formidable like an FBS team. David, this team, two players exhaust their eligibility at the end of this year. We can get into it more when the season's done. Kyan Brumfeld and Dorian Hall. That's it. Now, how many guys who um, you know, uh, will gra- who have graduated can you know go get graduate degrees and will look elsewhere? I mean, you're gonna have a certain amount of those guys, right? But only two guys from this team are gone. I think you get four wins, and you've already achieved that number, with the amount of talent you return. And and here's the next part of it. You've established a quarterback, David. You've found a quarterback, and in, 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 seemingly for the foreseeable future, in Grayson James, right? So, I mean, we can see how that competition looks if you open it up in, in, in the future, but at least you've gotten a full year out of Grayson you found some pieces, you know, Flex Joseph. You got a year of what that, that running game can look like um, with guys who haven't started. You, you found pieces in Gaith and Bernadelle, Donovan Manuel, Demetrius Hill looks like the second coming of Jonathan Cyprian. 
Andrew Volmar, a uh, really excellent cornerback. I, the list goes on. So in my mind, the, the wins were one thing, but the wins in conjunction with establishing some pieces, building blocks for the future, which is something that you didn't have happen over the past four years with Butch Davis, the season's, it's, 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 it's already a success in my mind. Eric, you're pumping me up again. Um, I, I love that take. Uh, and that's, and that's why I can't call the season a failure. Um, I don't know, like, and I agree and I get why you're saying it's a success for me. Listen, it, from a certain perspective, it definitely is. And I totally agree with everything you said, but the, the, as I got, you know, as a fan, some of the losses just hurt so much that, you know, not that, not that they, you know, we, I, you know, I wanted to win this game more than I expected to. But it's just some of the way the ways that we've lost have been like, oh man, like this was just a was lack of a better term, an ass beating. Um, to say, and, and mind you, the, the question was also if we lose these next two games, right? Because like if even if we get one of these games, and, and to say we were one game on a bowl bowl contention, while obviously we're right, we were right there. Um, five wins is also a, a, another big implication into just like what 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 a jump. Um, and I, and I think, oh my God, if we can win this game, Eric, on Saturday, that last game is, is going to be a big one. Um, especially because of, uh, we can help, we can also have fun down here as fans saying that the team that we beat to go to a bowl game is the team that beat Miami. So it's almost like beating them again. Um, so we can kind of have some fun with that. Um, but yeah, over, overall, I, I do agree with what, what you said and, and the, Definitely a lot like there was so many positives that did come out of this season, especially with the expectations going in. I mean, like I said, the list could go on, you know, identifying John Bach, Shamar Hobby Lee, Jacob Peace. Those are all linemen that are coming back. Jeremy Passmore is coming back. Sean Peterson. Sean Peterson doesn't even know what he's doing out there. And I I mean that respectfully. Sean P doesn't even know what he's doing out there in terms of, you know, rushing the passer and, and, and he's got five and a half sacks. Um, I'm just looking at my, my notes here. Hezekiah Masses, Deverick Daniel, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So the list goes on. But let's go and flip it to well, UTEP. Wait, hold up, Eric. Oh, no, 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 yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I, I would be shocked. Do you think Do you think Ty- Tyrese is going to the league after this year, right? Like, um, uh, Full transparency, David. I'm going to ask him that question next week. Um, it is my expectation. without, And I want to make it clear. I've not, I haven't spoken with him yet. I'm going to ask him this next week. But – it's my expectation that he will uh, declare for the NFL draft. Now, uh, I'm going to say this, and um, I, I, I got to talk very carefully here, David, but I, I want to give some – I think it's important because I've already got some questions about it. Some FIU fans have asked, could Tyrese Chambers transfer? Um, without revealing certain sources – could he transfer David? Yes. However, I have it on good authority that because of the fact that Tyrese Chambers began his career at a four-year university in, um, uh, come on, Sacred Heart, and then went to a JUCO before landing at FIU, uh, my sources essentially are telling me that he wouldn't be able to transfer to another from a four-year to another four-year without sitting out a year. So if anyone asks if Tyree Chambers is going to transfer or could he transfer, in theory he could, but I don't think he would want to sit out a year just to play another year somewhere else. So I'm only mentioning that in the podcast to say 
the options are really him coming back next year or going pro in my mind. And it is my expectation. Again, I'll ask him next week, but it's my expectation that he, he'll go pro. Got it. Got it. No, I, I agree. I think, I think he would, he would be going pro too. So that's why, cause I, I, I know, I noticed you didn't mention him. So I was like, kind of wondering if you, you had anything, but no, 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 no. Yeah. Completely fair question. So yeah, as we transition to UTEP, David, you are right. UTEP did beat FAU and this game, uh, the line was set by all of the Vegas sports books at, I believe 14 and a half, but I tweet this out. Uh, I want to say the days all run together here. I want to say I tweet this out yesterday. Shout out to Adrian Bratis of, ESPN 600 El Paso for the FIU fans who want a bit of a deeper preview. I'll actually be in studio with the folks, uh, ESPN 600 El Paso. Uh, I'll be in studio with them on Friday out in Texas. So you can catch, catch me out there. But he tweeted out the fact that starting quarterback Gavin Hardison is a little bit banged up, and it's questionable whether or not he's going to be able to play. I want to give FIU fans a quick preview here as far as UTEP. Gavin Hardison, big, strong quarterback, probably all the adjectives you've heard Mike McIntyre talk about when referring to a quarterback. Um, 6'3", 6'4", 225. Big thing with him is, you know, accuracy. Uh, he's a guy whose completion percentage-wise is going to be around 52%, 53%, not very consistent. Uh, his main target from last year in Jacob Cowing now is a stud at Arizona, so that's definitely hurt him. But the reason I, I mentioned that is with him being banged up, their backup, David, is the exact opposite. Um, I, I made a joke with an FIU fan in the DMs. Uh, the best way I can describe their backup quarterback, David, you ready for this one? He's white Kalen Wiggins. Uh, he is he is one read, and he is looking to tuck and run. Calvin Brownholtz. Uh, in four seasons as the UTEP backup, he has thrown two touchdowns, seven interceptions, has more rushing yards than passing yards. If Calvin Brownholtz is asked to start that game, that is a huge factor that could allow FIU some things on the defensive side of the ball for UTEP, one of the better defenses in conference USA led by Jadrian Taylor, who I believe is leading the league in sacks with eight and a half Cal Wollerstead, a linebacker. And then of course, praise Amahule. Uh, all three of them very talented. And that's going to be a factor for an offensive line that Mike McIntyre admitted during his media availability today is already banged up and uh, facing some injuries. So Jacob peace was injured last week. Uh, Ray Burnett, you know, Julius Pierce obviously banged up. So that is going to be a factor. So David, uh, as the Panthers head out to UTEP, um, again, not asking you to go too deep at X's and O's, but just what are the things that you want to see improve um, heading in after you know these uh, last two weeks? Um, I definitely want to throw for more than sixty yards. Um, I definitely wanted to see the offense get back to where it was with at those with the LaTeX and Charlotte game. I want you know the team to look like it, they look comfortable, like they did not. They looked uncomfortable this weekend. I want them to get back, or even really the last two weeks, I guess, but I want them to get back to the groove that they were in. Uh, I want to see if they can continue to establish the run, but like more consistent as opposed to just relying on big gash plays. Um, and, you know, just like get, you know, getting the ball in your, your playmakers' hands and seeing what they can do with it, at least offensively. Defensively, obviously, like you mentioned, we don't know who will start. Honestly, when you said, the white Kalen Wiggins, it almost kind of worries me because FIU doesn't do do their best work against, uh, you know, rush first quarterbacks. But, um, you know, if, if we're going to have to make them throw to beat us, uh, our chances do increase. And I'm just looking for a more complete game and see, you know, I want these guys to be, you know, giving it their all and, and knowing that, you know, what's on the line here is that there is a chance that we could go bowling and I want to see him play with, you know, come on hot, play with fire, and 
you know, get this dub, Eric. There you go. You heard it from the man himself. David Handel wants him to come out there and get this dub. It'll be an interesting game. Like I said, um, UTEP uh, definitely has struggled offensively. I mean, their bread and butter is their run game. Deion Hankins, Ronald A. Watt, uh, obviously going to be a test for an FIU run defense that's, you know, still trying to recover. Um, that gave up some runs against FAU. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, listen, David, I, I'm not going to make a prediction just yet. It's a little earlier in the week. But uh, if Calvin Brownholtz does start this game, I know you're you're a little bit apprehensive because of the fact that he is a running quarterback and he, he's a bigger kid, David. He's like 6'2, 220. So he's not, you know, um one of those like smaller running quarterbacks. He's a big dude. But I I I don't know that put you this way. If you remember the way, and I know that you know a lot of our audience uh they may not have seen the the, the New Mexico State game because it was on what flow sports that David yeah. and I railed on for about 20 minutes. But David, <laughs> if, if you remember the way the passing game played out for New Mexico state, that's kind of what I would expect from Calvin Brownholtz. And that gives me hope uh, for FIU, but we will definitely see what happens. All right. As promised, uh, as you heard in the opening portion of the podcast, we're going to do a deep FAU dive. We were joined by Mr. Kevin Fielder of Owls 247 in the early part of the podcast. As I said, we would transition to our other good buddy who helps us out with our FAU coverage from time to time. It was a pleasure to get a chance to meet him on Saturday. He is Mr. Zachary Weinberger of the Palm Beach Post, uh, FAU sports writer for Palm Beach Post. Uh, you can also find him. You uh, press online, Lemon City Live, and elsewhere, and um, is of course a uh, 2022 grad of the great Florida Atlantic University. Zach, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, it was awesome to get to you know see you and really talk to you fully uh, compared to other times at the uh, you know obviously at the Shula Bowl. Um, obviously, lots to talk about as well. And as we get into the end of the season, it was uh, exciting times. So, Zach, before we jump into things and recapping the Shula Bowl, of course, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you your impressions, your uh, initial foray as a uh, in a professional capacity to the cage. What were your thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I, this, this is my first time going there since I think my freshman year when I went there as a SAU fan and watching, you know, Devin Singletary have like over 200 yards against FIU. Um, so having it from a media perspective was definitely different, you know, obviously different to FAU, but yeah, you know, listen, it's a smaller capacity, you know, hopefully that program can be better in the future. So I, cause I feel like with that place full, it's going to be rocking, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's fine. You know, obviously, uh, definitely a smaller scale, but it, it was still kind of cozy. You know what I'm saying? No doubt about as I, as I like to refer to the, uh, FIU press suite. It is a cozy, welcoming atmosphere. Um, I, I will say this. You missed a funny line. We talked about it in the earlier part of the podcast. Uh, I, I think it happened before you arrived. Our good buddy, Jonathan Mayer, a uh, student there at FIU, does a great job for Panther now. Uh, he unwittingly mentioned, if you've ever been around Johnny, you know, he moves like a million miles a minute. And I say that affectionately about Johnny, but mm-hmm. um he he was asking <laughs> unwittingly didn't know that he was uh, talking to Katrina McCormick of course the uh, SID there at FAU uh, <laughs> Zach he asked Katrina um, if it's true that there is stone crab served at the uh, FAU football games <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> I'm sure if uh, <laughs> for those of us who have met Katrina and interacted with Katrina you can uh, imagine the look of, of bewilderment on her face. <laughs> 
I wish I, I wish I could have seen Katrina's face. Yeah. No, we don't get stone crabs, but I mean, I'll tell you what, they have the best cookies in the press box. That's all I'll say about the press box. Listen, the food at the FAU press box is completely fine. It is this not stone crap. So <laughs> I had to I had to play it on, on that funny moment. But all right, enough about the inner workings of the press box. Let's go ahead and jump into the Shula Bowl. Zach, 52 to 7. First off, um, did you see that one coming? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if I saw maybe the largest margin in Shula Bowl history with 45 points coming, but I, I did expect um, – obviously FAU to kind of blow up the water of what the spread was, which I think was 15 or 16 points. Uh, I, I didn't really expect it to dominate really from the first play of the game, right? I remember just kind of seeing the reactions from myself and everybody at the press box when, uh, you know, obviously Jalen Wester had that amazing pick to start off the game on the first play, you know, which kind of just set the tone really for the rest of the game. You know, you hope that FIU can just kind of have like that so what, not what mentality you throw a pick. Okay, what are we going to do next? But really they just, couldn't recover from there. I think they didn't have a first down until the second quarter. So, but yeah, FAU looked locked in, you know, and obviously there was some nervousness uh, kind of from the coaches and especially from the Kosey Perry who was injured on his throwing hand and just, you know, talking to him post game, even saying that at one point he really couldn't even throw a spiral, you know? So it was, it was interesting to see him play, but it resulted in four total touchdowns. He looked really on point, you know? Um, So I, I did see it coming, but I didn't really see it in that type of fashion. Uh, and I, I would think that Mike McIntyre was very disappointed by the result for sure. No, no doubt about it. As we talked about in the early part of this podcast, Mike McIntyre definitely showed his frustration in postgame. Uh, Want to piggyback off something you said right there, Zach. Uh, Nikosi Perry, something that I did not know about. I, I don't know if you did, if you knew um, heading into the game, but uh, the injury with his hand. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit and what kind of, you know, elaborate on, on Kosi's uh, thoughts postgame? Yeah, you know, this is something that I, I think was was found just by questioning kind of wraps and bandages around his hand, but really we didn't kind of see it as anything. And when we asked Coach about, you know, the health of the team, they said, yeah, there's there's really no health uh, quarrels at the moment, you know, and obviously telling this post game really about the, the hand injury and stuff like that. And again, it really it really didn't seem like it affected him at all. You know, again, br- talking to Brent Dearman, uh, today this morning just asking him about what you saw this past week that made you nervous he was kind of saying that it really it, it almost looked like a six-year-old trying to trying to hold a, a college football you know it was really nerve-wracking for the guy for you know for coach Dearman and coach Taggart but again he looked again like I said on point on, on Saturday especially that play where he threw uh to burden at the end zone it was just a pinpoint spiral pass um and just looked like he was just playing like normal you know and so I think he really just gained respect from a lot of the guys just talking to Wester post game and talking to Jaquan Burden today. Um, really, again, he's always had the respect of the team. It's definitely elevated now. Um, we'll see how that kind of goes into this week. Obviously, with time, it should be better. Uh, we'll see when we talk to Coach Taggart on Thursday. But, yeah, you know, it, it was a very impressive performance because, you know, he's been up and down, you know, and I think that he really needed a performance like this where you have four total touchdowns. You're doing stuff on the run as well. Last one here before we start to transition into this week. Larry McCammon, probably one of the more intriguing players for those of us who are FAU outsiders. Um, I know especially for me as a guy who, first off, just coming from his high school pedigree, Hoover High, anyone who, you know, uh, if you're, I'm a little bit older than Zach, not that much older, but a little bit older, <laughs> around my age, uh, you know the, the show Two-A-Days. <laughs> so automatically Hoover High <laughs> rings a bell uh, with that, you know, certainly an excellent pedigree in high school. Uh, really got off to an interesting start in his career because was someone who 
looked, you know, under Lane Kiffin to um, be earning some playing time. Remember, Chris McCrick, I believe he was there under Lane Kiffin, or might have been the first year of Willie Taggart. My, my memory is foggy there. But the point is, as a true freshman came in there as a highly touted three-star recruit, looked to be kind of making a name for himself, got banged up really his freshman year and, and the bulk of, you know, really his entire career up until this year and was finally healthy and really taking the bull by the horns 26 carries for a buck four um no touchdowns but still a very solid game for larry mccammon zach just talk about him a little bit as he is now you know pretty darn close to having his first thousand yard year as a collegiate player well you know you sort of mentioned it 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 seemed like it was almost inevitable for larry mccammon to sort of take the reins and just be rb1 for this team you mentioned how he was so banged up his first couple seasons and he's finally kind of getting the chance uh, to kind of stay healthy uh, and just kind of be the workhorse back that they want him to be. You know, he had 26 carries, obviously leading the guys there. You know, but this running back room entirely is just it's, it's very versatile in what you can do. You know, you have Larry McCammon and Barry Mobley who are the big backs, but then you have Johnny Ford who is, you know, the leading guy that, you know, last year. So it, it's been really awesome to see Larry kind of come into his zone and uh, just play the way he knows he can play, you know, especially hearing that from Coach Tagger, you know, it's like he, he knew this was in him all along. He just has to stay healthy and it's panning out, you know, again, they want their identity to really be running the football a lot and be successful in doing that. And it's going to start with Larry and, and so far, and then like what we saw against uh, FIU, it really, it really worked out, you know, averaging four uh, yards per carry, you know, and again, I, I think that during these last two games, he's going to be absolutely vital in sort of hopefully getting that bowl game and then we'll see about going to the conference championship and we'll know how weird that is but yeah he's gonna be vital for this team as i mentioned really knocking on the door of his first thousand yard year larry mccammon with his 104 yard day season statistics 164 attempts 852 yards average of five point yards per attempt and four touchdowns so really great to see for a kid who uh, you know i won't do the quick math here but in his first three years had rushing totals of 324 as a true freshman 79 yards as a sophomore um and then 141 yards last year so definitely um exceeding all of his career totals in one season this year zach let's go and transition to Middle Tennessee, an opponent that offensive coordinator Brent Dearman knows very well. And he had a chance to speak with Brent today. Just talk about that um, that interaction a little bit and kind of his thoughts on heading back to Murfreesboro and you know kind of what to expect. Yeah, you know, he, he has some familiarity, obviously, with the defense. And uh, obviously, the defense has been playing lights out pretty much this year. I think they're near the ranks of the most sacks in the conference and I think the most takeaways as well in the conference. So uh, he knows them fairly well. He talks about his great relationship with Coach Stock still with – you know, even with the injuries going on right now in Middle Tennessee, that's a huge question mark kind of going into Saturday. Uh, if it's, you know, coached by, by Stockstill, it, it, they're going to play rough. They're going to play tough. They're going to play like, you know, no one's really missing time. Um, but yeah, Coach German had just a lot of awards for, for, for Middle Tennessee and, and what he did there last season. And uh, again, we, me and uh, we kind of brought up again, like he, he was part of the reason uh, why FAU did not make a bowl game last year. You know, that, that final game against uh, Middle Tennessee where they were one game away from bowl eligibility and Brent German's offense and the team as a whole just, you know, knocked us out. So, uh, obviously, it's a very competitive program. What, whether the record says that they're, they're 500 or not, there's a, a tough game to play, especially when you're on the road there. So, um, yeah, you know, Brent German, definitely I think that's going to really help them uh, this Saturday, kind of the, even though he's an offensive guy. Uh, just knowing what my offense they might run and just having that familiarity with the defense. 
So you have a really nice segue into one of one of my final questions I want to ask you here. I'll give you this one and then one more before we get you out of here. And again, we're joined by Mr. Zachary Weinberger of the Palm Beach Post. Zach, um, any thoughts at all? Again, it's early in the week, so this may come. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know the, the layout of FA's availability, so I'm sure you know it's still early. This could come later in the week. But were there any thoughts given to uh, Nick Variato? Because uh, Nick Variato was someone who played a huge part in FAU's uh, missing a bowl game last year. Of course, he started the contest for Middle Tennessee. I believe Mike DeLillo, uh, the former Florida Tech starter, I believe uh, he finished a game. I'm, if memory serves me correct, that was the order uh, for Middle Tennessee. But Nick Variato is going to be the starter, uh, at least that's what I'm hearing. I, I don't think Chase Cunningham is going to be back. Was there any talk of um, facing Nick Variato this year? Or excuse me, on yeah, Tuesday? No, no, yeah, yeah, no, none so far because, again, we there's uh, a focus on offense, you know, sure. but like, sure. like, like you said, um, that that's something that we need to ask uh, defense coordinator Todd Orlando and whichever, uh, I think we're going to talk to TJ Young as well tomorrow morning, you know, but you know, I, I feel like when it, when it comes to the FAU facing backup quarterbacks this season, it's been uh, sort of a, a whirlwind, you know, we, we were facing a Purdue who had their backup quarterback played close to them. Uh, and I think the Charlotte game, I think they started off by having Chris Reynolds, but later play with a back quarterback. So I think FAU knows uh, to not lose focus, even if QB2 is in the game. And if not, QB1 is not in the game. So, yeah, you know, again, I think what they're preparing, though, is just kind of just going by intuition uh, that obviously Cunningham will not play. And they're going to be watching film on, on, like, again, the back quarterback, like you said. So, but again, I don't think it really changes anything. It's not like obviously they're thinking it's an easier matchup, right? Even though maybe in in retrospective to us to the media it is, but uh, they're they're treating this game as if everybody's fully healthy, you know. So and again, when when Coach Stock still is your coach, man, you're just you're it's going to be tough, you know, whatever whoever's in there or not. No, no doubt about that. Of course, Nick Vadiato seems to kind of play with a bit of an edge whenever he plays those South Florida teams, both FAU, and he'll get his chance against FIU next week. Uh, of course, Nick Vadiato, a local kid from Fort Lauderdale University School, uh, didn't get his chance to play for either of his local programs. So obviously, that is a, a storyline to watch. The last one here, Zach, and we'll get you out of here. Um, do not want to get too deep into the job talk because you know I kind of like to hold off on that as much as possible, but there's no doubt that uh, a thrashing of FIU, the way that FAU was able to certainly help things. And now for the Owls, they've got two games to qualify for a bowl game. Um, where do things kind of just stand, you know, from the outside looking in as far as uh, Willie Taggart and kind of, you know, I, I guess to formulate it, to, 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 to put it in some form of a question, Zach, um, you know, what needs to happen here the, the, these last two games to kind of just, you know, get rid of all that talk about what could be and, and just, you know, for Willie Taggart and company kind of have things on secure footing heading into 2023? Well, in my opinion, I think if he makes a bowl game, that his job is safe. I, that's, I, I think that's literally the bare minimum of what, what he has to do this season to really just kind of warm up to maybe what the uh, what the athletics program is thinking and the university is thinking uh Again, just kind of like you said, an outside looking in perspective. Um, but again, you know, I, I feel like it's also uh, helping him that FAU is is somehow in in contention for for a conference championship bid, you know. And obviously, they're they're we're going to be looking at Rice to hopefully knock off North Texas. And and uh, but it, to me, it's just still insane that this team is, you know, really I, in my opinion, you know, again, they're five and five. Uh, really had a disappointing year. You look at those losses to Ohio and, and UTEP and, um, 
know, North Texas as well. And you're just really just knocking yourself in the head about it because those are, those are, could have been wins that, that he dropped. Um, but again, you're, you're one win with two games left. You're one win away from, from a bowl game and you're still, uh, in the contention for a conference championship. I think that, uh, fans are warming up to him. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I haven't gotten those hashtag fire tagger tweets under my, uh, tweets, uh, in, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. So maybe that, that's already something. That's already a big, uh, a news thing for me. So, uh, really the fans, I feel like are in a wait and see approach right now. Willie Tiger, like, okay, let's, you know, we were promised a bowl game last season. They couldn't do it in the last four games. You know, they, they dropped all four. So we just want to see six wins on the, on the board. We want to see, how, we want to see how the conference championship layout goes. So yeah, again, I and like it, but just kind of reiterate what I said. I think a bowl game really just saves the season uh, for FAU. You heard it there from the man himself. That is Mr. Zachary Weinberger of the Palm Beach Post. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Zach. That is Z-A-C-H Weinberger, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. He is the FAU sports writer and some Dolphins as well for the Palm Beach Post. Zach, as always, my man, uh, cannot thank you enough for making the time. Glad we got a chance to catch up. And who knows, maybe I'll, I'll see you down the road at the Boca Bowl depending on how things shake out. Again, as always, I love to be on the show. It's always great to talk about FAU and talk with the FIU guy as well. So, yeah, now listen, it's, it's always a great time. Have me on whenever. Thank you all for listening. Got a pretty packed episode, as I mentioned. Uh, shout out to Zach Weinberger of Palm Beach Post, Kevin Fielder of Owls247, and, of course, our FIU superfan, Mr. David Hondel. You can find David on Twitter at MrHondel321. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Last but not least, find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod, Five Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. And guess what, David? Uh, it's been, it hasn't been this way in a long time, but despite the fact that it came off, we're coming off of a, a tough Shula Bowl loss, we're in a position where down the stretch, both of these teams are fighting for bowl contention. And that leaves for a lot of interesting football to be played. So happy football watching, everyone. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully, for the Panthers coming off a victory. <laughs>